0: Welcome to another episode of the JMS Podcast. Friendly reminder, you can still email me at jmspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Check out the Facebook page for JMS Podcast. And uh, follow me on Twitter, jmsanchez25. Uh, today's episode is Otto Walker. He's a comedian from here, from uh, the South Bay. He's a real awesome dude. Probably... I would like to consider him as the sage of comedy locally. Uh, he's somebody I really, you know, looked up to, and he's also somebody I would go for help comedy wise. And he's a real awesome guy, very very good insight. Uh, he brought his uh, his son, his cute son, Obi. That's right, Obi. And so if you hear like a baby in the background, it's it's him. It's a cute, it's a cute one. And if you hear like any tapping on the microphone, it's. It's Obi, you know, hanging out. Yeah. So technically, he's my first guest with another guest. But it's a baby. So does that count? I don't know. Maybe. The GMS podcast, we got everything now. I got, I pretty much got all the pieces of the little studio. So we're coming along. I'm excited. Um, just like all things are new, I'm still working out the kinks. This episode, there might be some audio issues, but uh, bear with it. <laughs> I could get myself a sound engineer. I gotta get myself a sound engineer. Silicon Valley, this should be somewhere. But today, today I got a milestone in my life. That's right. I got a life milestone. I First time ever, I got my first mail from a debt collector. That's right. I owe people some debt. And they put me on a co- debt collecting agency. And uh, I don't know. I find it so strange. I, I, I just do. I just, it's like... I feel kind of proud in a weird way. Like, I'm an adult. I guess, as an adult, you have to have debt. But yeah, it never happened to me. I never got, like... People like, Hey, you owe me money. So, I get, I owe... Uh, the bank some money. So... I... It sucks. But it's my first. So, i kind of proud of it. Hopefully, it's my last. <laughs> Preferably, it's my last. Also... I'm not sure if you've heard already, if you haven't, I'm telling you now. Check out this thing on YouTube called KSJS Downtown Sessions. It's my newest passion project. I'm working with uh, KSJS. It is the San Jose State University radio station, and I'm producing these uh, videos of musicians playing music in the streets. We got our first episode up. It's by uh, Tom Woodside. Uh, They're good buddies of mine. The singer of Tom Woodside was actually my first guest on this podcast so check out the video on YouTube KSJS Downtown Sessions a real awesome band check them out check out their Facebook yeah I'm excited I, I think it's a great opportunity to highlight local musicians and also to film them in a certain way where it's kinda you know putting the music back in the streets so I'm very excited uh, so remember YouTube KSJS Downtown Sessions and it's also bad for a start it's a start you know i'm keeping myself busy since you know i'm not hosting a room anymore so i got other projects to work on and uh yeah i hope you guys like them check them out and we'll see about it all right let's get to that conversation with atu walker
1: room too the knowledge room the knowledge
0: room because we have the books the CDs DVDs but I'm so excited it's like the last piece of the podcast puzzle right there okay we are complete we are a fully functioning somewhat quasi studio thing going on all right we got out walker in the studio with obi is that his name obi
1: obi yes my son obi
0: guy he's so cute Oh, he's looking at me like he's angry he's so cute uh, Altu Walker, comedian. Yep, comedian. How long have you been doing comedy for?
1: How long have I been doing comedy? What year is it? <laughs> it
0: is 2015, I believe.
1: I believe I started doing comedy in 2008, maybe a little bit in 2007, but definitely 2008. So that makes it like six, seven years almost.
0: Seven years, yeah. What got you into it?
1: Um, Basically, I was unemployed. And then I thought it'd be a great idea to be a comedian because I felt like I was funny. And, you know, when you're kicking it with your friends all the time and there's nothing that you do but, like, get drunk and high, then, yeah. Yeah. That's one of those things you kind of decide you're going to do on a whim. Or, like, you're going to be a musician or, like, you're going to be, like. Something like, I'm gonna change the world. You know, like you make decisions like that when everything in your life falls apart and you don't know what to do next, you know. And then it was a very healthy decision for me. So,
0: well, it um, helps that you're that you were unemployed and you had plenty of time to do it.
1: Yes. And I was very ambitious in the beginning, very ambitious, like almost too ambitious for my talent. Well, every comedian I feel like goes through this. They, have this period of time when they first start out that they think like they're the fucking shit. They think they're better than everybody else. They think they're their their goals are like very lofty right. and for a person it just started.
0: Like they think they're bringing something new to the table. Right yes, they
1: think they're doing everything that they should be doing. And it's not necessarily true. Sometimes it is, but like your comedian stylistics are very inconsistent no matter what. Yeah. And because you, when you first come in, you can't be consistent as a comic. It's difficult. After all this time, I've learned that you know it's difficult. It's, even if you have the same set every time, like if it's the same words that you're using, people can tell whether or not you're giving it your all or you're just kind of like going through the motions. There's a certain level of performance in and a intangible thing that happens when you see somebody who's like really good. So a lot of people, when they start off, have to work up to that. But then there's also this period of time where every comic and it happens. It always happens when their first three years, there's some comics who just are not that personality at all. But if you're even slightly narcissistic, something will happen to you where you think you're the <laughs> and you're not. <laughs> We're delusional. I believe, I, 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 I totally with
0: you. I think, especially starting in.
1: So that happened to me. Yeah. So when I first started, like, I thought it was, yeah. And then.
0: What was the first place you performed?
1: San Jose Improv.
0: What? Like, that was the first stage you ever done stand-up?
1: Yeah. So you went straight to the big leagues. No, it wasn't like the big leagues. It was like. A Wednesday night show I thought it was the big leagues at the time I thought right. I was doing like tells you how
0: up. much I know I'm like a, a year and a couple months in and I'm like oh it's big leagues and you're like no we have no idea
1: well no. back then it was a little easier to get on the improv like the, the San Jose the San Jose comedy scene wasn't as dense as it is now back then it was it wasn't that many people doing it so the people that did do it like got further quicker because it was less people
0: Less competition?
1: I I, I wouldn't say less competition. I would just say there wasn't that much talent. So anybody that had any, like, superb talent, like, kind of got in quickly because most of the dudes that are really talented at that time were on their way out. So there was this, like, vacuum of talent. And so you got sucked up in that, you know.
0: Hmm. You you go through a tough time, and you're like, I'm going to do stand-up. Yeah. Like, before that, though, has, like, any ambition like any uh, like, uh, were you planning to like growing up did you imagine being a no. stand up
1: before that I was working in the nonprofit world and I was I was a what do you call a community service person like I my sole focus was serving others and uh, you know after doing that since I was like 10 years old oh, wow. I have a long history of community organizing and a long history of of working for community agencies and I, a lot of my connections in the community come from that, but I don't, I'm one of these people that have connections, but I don't like using them. Like it's just yeah. you, you ask somebody for a favor, then you have to do something in return. And that's not a bad thing. It's just like, you have to be really prepared to be fully available for whoever that is, you know? So sometimes I'm not always fully available. So I don't, I don't like exploiting my connections for certain things, you know?
0: And you've been most involved in the San Jose community?
1: Yeah, San Jose and Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Pasadena. That's where I'm from originally. 15 years ago, I moved up to the Silicon Valley to get a piece of that silicone. And then I decided to become a community service worker instead.
0: Uh, so you grew up in, in Soca?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, were any of your parents creative already?
1: No, my dad was a postal worker and my mom was a postal worker. But my mom actually runs a nonprofit now. So she 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 quit the postal service before going postal. And then she started a nonprofit, basically.
0: Okay, so do you feel like you're the first to get this creative flow? Or do you have any brothers and sisters that had were creative?
1: Not really. I mean, my sister paints. That's creative. (laughs) I'm just I'm just a very dramatic middle child. Oh, you um, a middle child? I feel yeah. you. I'm I'm the very dramatic middle child, the one that feels like nobody pays enough attention to, and I hate my you know I hate my little sister you know <laughs> that kind of thing. Like I terrorized her when we were growing up. She terrorized me. Like it was just I, I'm one of those typical middle kids. Like my brother's older than me, but he was kind of a dick most of the time. <laughs> like he was just a dick most of the time. Tortured you? Yeah. Well, not tortured me. Is when you don't pay attention to someone, or then the other response is beating them up. Like, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, my my older brother was like the older brother from the Goonies, where he just didn't give a shit. You know, <laughs> he's just there doing his thing. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. <laughs> kind of shit. <laughs> You know, I wish we had like a Goonies adventure so that we could bond but that just never happened or I would have had to join a gang so it depends.
0: Are you the only one in the family that moved up here?
1: Yeah actually I am yeah. Like, my mom used to live, my mom grew up in Vallejo so we. Had, I moved up when I moved up here my grandmother was really ill and stuff so uh, that's one of the reasons why I moved up here too because I wanted to be close to her so that if anything happened I can kind of go take care of it um, you know but Getting a job in San Jose was kind of critical, and that happened. And then I moved up here. I was homeless for like six months. Were you? Wow. Where well, because you- at the time, in a, in the year 2000, that's when I like the dot com and all those businesses was like really booming up here. And um, a year later, everything fell apart. But at that time, when I moved up here, it was so hard to find housing. Like it was so hard. Like it's not what it, it's not how ridiculous it is now, even. Because it's really ridiculous now, but back then it was super ridiculous. Because in in two thousand, if you're in LA, you can get a one bedroom apartment for like five hundred bucks a month, like no problem. You can do that pretty much anywhere. But 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 up here, finding a one bedroom was like a thousand a thousand or twelve hundred. And then we got lucked out because we got it in a three bedroom price controlled place. But that was two thousand a month, and at that time, finding a three bedroom at two thousand was like a lot of, a lot, a lot of money. That was too much. I was splitting half a room, and I was paying like three, four hundred dollars. Wow!
0: So were you living in a car, or were you? Uh in you the know, streets? couch surfing, couch and all surfing. That stuff.
1: But you know, that's not living. When you live at somebody's house on the couch, that's not living somewhere.
0: Yeah, I totally feel you, man. Um, I grew up in Mopitas and
1: Milipitas.
0: and my family went through foreclosure. and there was that that while while we were living in our relatives houses and yeah it it gets to you and psychologically in a sense like it really brings perspective when it comes to like owning your own place and having a roof over your uh, head and for me it's probably like one of the biggest reasons why it fuels me to 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 try even harder because it's like I went through that with my family and it sucks
1: Well, I mean, it, it helps you learn a little bit more about who you are as a person. It helps ground you because yeah. I, I, you know, I, I try and be the best person that I can be most of the time. But I, I have, I have decided that there's really no point in like pulling punches with people anymore in my life. Like, if somebody says something rude to me, I'm be like, you know, what you said was rude, and I expect the same in return. Like. At some point, you, you can see the weakness in people sometimes where they don't want to really tell you how they really feel. They're so scared of how they really feel in the first place that they can't ever say it. And those people are just like, come on, man. Just, just don't lie to me. Hmm. Don't lie to me. Like like all of our senators and, and, and government officials. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, just just... <laughs> Just, just be honest. Like it's a cash, is a quid pro quo system, and everybody's getting backdoor deals and taking backdoor and doing coke and messing our country up. Like, just be honest about it. That you way, be
0: upfront about
1: it. Yeah, just be, a, just go full gamut. Why, why waste the time and in insulting our intelligence? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hear you, man. Why, why, why waste the time? You know, why, why sit there? And pretend that you got something else going on when you really don't. Wow. I haven't, I don't like, I don't like pretend. pretend. I like when I'm, and when I'm doing comedy, I like to be very present in whatever it is that's going through my mind at the time. And that, that may be my downfall as a comedian, but I'd rather be that way than be like,
0: why do you think it's a downfall as a comedian? Because I think that's a r- really great way to approaching comedy.
1: Well, being fully present.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It kind of makes it raw and kind of gives the audience like like I'm seeing this person who he really is and kind of adds depth to what you're you're saying.
1: I think so because I I don't I don't know where you can do your set a thousand times in a row and it'd be the same set a thousand times in a row. I don't know if that really is who you are you know are you a recording of your own self and every time you go out you embody this thing that you've you've invented so that you can go out and and do that yeah you can do that you could be a very successful comic if you're able to you know get all the intonations right at every particular moment and stick to that that recording that you've made up in your mind but my criticism is, like, how do you be genuine in that yeah. every time you perform? How? I don't, I don't know if it's possible. I really don't have any idea if that's possible to be that genuine all the time. Unless you're George Carlin. And even <laughs> George Carlin, none of his sets were the same set that he did before. So if you look at him as a comedian, like, he did his recordings and that was it. He didn't, do the, he didn't go out and do that same shtick again. Yeah Or maybe I'm wrong about that I could be so freaking wrong
0: Yeah well That's what makes Carlin so great Is that he Like every recording Every special is different And he does it Quite a few Quite a few times Now Reflecting back When you first First started (laughs) First (laughs) Reflecting back When you were first Starting doing comedy Mm. How were your perspective On comedy different Well back then You mentioned that you were Like you know It's like more like Yeah I'm bringing something new anything else to it
1: no i think you you have that energy to be so un- you know you have you have that energy when you start out like well, i'm gonna I'm do i'm gonna do something different than what that guy's doing you got uh, that fire you got that fire in you where you're criticizing people that you don't even know yeah and you're you're not really paying attention to the stuff that you should be paying attention to so <laughs> so yeah i mean it happens to every com- it happens to every comic not unless you're just really quiet and you you don't say any opinions when you're hanging out with these people but not these people that's not a terrible I mean when you're hanging out with other comics but I is like how do you um, how do you be genuine the whole entire time and be yourself and that's that's always hard you know there's some comics where I really don't know who they are <laughs> because every time I'm hanging out with them like they're putting on their shtick and then
0: like even when they're not performing they, they still got that mask on
1: yeah like there was this one time that uh do you know you know you know Stowitz right yeah so Stowitz came into the caravan one night and he brought everybody bananas
0: that's very nice I guess or it was it meant to be like a like did, did, did you do it from the bottom of his
1: heart see that's the, see that's the thing like I questioned the whole, the, I like, I don't want to question him, but at the same time, like it was, it was a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Like he walked like, and it was, it was the way he handed people the bananas though. <laughs> it, it wasn't like here, you want a banana. It was like, he walked up to you and got in close proximity and then thrust the banana to your face and asked you if you wanted a banana it wasn't, like, to your hand or anything. It was just, would you like a banana? Was he doing it to everybody? Yes. <laughs> so, like, men, women, and everybody kind of had the same response where they, like, jerked back a little bit, and they looked at him like, man, get the banana out of my face. Look, you know? Yes. But some people took them, you know, because they... But it was, like, I didn't know if if... Like, part of me, I didn't know if that was, like, stick or not. Like, I didn't know if that was him trying to be funny or was, or him trying to introduce himself to the room or, you know, like, there's this borderline that every comic is on. Like, whether or not what it is they're saying is funny or is it something really fucking serious. And so when you straddle that border and you do stuff like that and it's not clear, it always comes off as strange you don't there's no way in between and that's why comics get heckled that's why comics you know like yell at people <laughs> that's why you know like if if a joke that you're working on isn't working the way that you thought it would work in your head like it sucks you know and you learn it quicker if you're not doing the same material all the time
0: i see you lightly touched on this but you mentioned the comedy scene back when you were first starting mm-hmm. uh how many open mic rooms were there like is it the same as now, or is it less back then?
1: From what I remember, there wasn't really anything going on in San Jose at the time. Was it all in San in Francisco? Terms of open mic. Yeah, all of it was Oakland or or San Francisco. There wasn't really open mics happening in San Jose. Um, there was one at Nick's Pizza that Pete Munoz used to do, and I think there was another one, but I don't remember who ran that open mic, and it was just like... Oh, no, no, there was Cafecito, but Cafecito was more... Like uh you can do anything there, but you couldn't cuss. It
0: was like a general open mic.
1: General That was clean. A general clean open mic. So you just couldn't cuss and you can do music, you do poetry, you do comedy, you could do, you know, interpretive dance, like whatever they they were open for whatever, Capacito. Um so I had kinda came out of that at first I started doing poetry. So I did a little bit of poetry at Capacito and then I also had a radio show, a pirate radio show. Um, for a while would um, one of the dudes that used to work there that doesn't work there anymore and what's
0: a pirate radio show
1: well he he stole some airwaves so like
0: <laughs> how do you steal airwaves like was not a, a frequency they had a
1: he put an antenna on top of the house
0: <laughs> <laughs> so cool actually yeah like the FCC
1: the FCC had to come shut him down like that's how bad it was
0: <laughs> wow they they actually came after him
1: yeah they did <laughs> <laughs> Was it like a talk show or was it more like a music? No, nah, people could come to this dude's house and record and they would go out on the air raids. We would like take over a whole what? thing for like a couple hours every night.
0: And it's like local music?
1: Yeah, local music. I had this show called Old School with a Twist and Lime and I, I would bring on uh, musical artists and interview them and talk about their musical interests, their past musical interests and what influences them. So uh, that was my show when I did that. It was okay Like It was very raw It wasn't like anything Special Like I asked this dude If I could do it I didn't really have to pay anything It was dope
0: That's pretty awesome and yeah. All he had to do Was put an antenna on, on top He
1: put some I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know, I don't know Shit technical about it <laughs> All I know is I Showed up to the dude's, this dude's house Yeah Smoked some weed Got drunk And then had people Come over smoke weed And get drunk with me And we talked about music For two hours It was oh, fucking heard. dope
0: That's awesome yeah, and so. And you, right now you're you're running the caravan. Yeah, uh, that's your open mic. Uh, before that was the Brits.
1: Yeah, the Brit the Brit was actually one of the I I after Nick's Pizza went down, I talked to this dude Pete Munoz and that's how me and him became friends, and uh, and then he basically told me how to run an open mic and then, uh, I got this opportunity to run an open mic. It was thrown at me. It was like one of my friends was doing music there. And then he knew the manager And the manager was like Well the, you know comedy blah, blah 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 And then next thing I know I'm running this whole Fucking open mic Like It was that quick The dude was like Alright yeah you can do it I was like alright How much <laughs> How much money do you want I, I don't know Well we'll give you We'll start you off with 150
0: Holy shit
1: So <laughs> Oh
0: dude Like I, I started the the Scotty one And I only got paid like 15 bucks in store credit Cause I had no idea How to run an open mic I had no idea I And mean, you had Pete Munoz there and just like, you know, you have, I had actually you. I looked up to you. I remember I, remember I would contact yeah. you if have any questions. And I thank you a lot for that. Uh, so you saved my ass in a, lot of, in a lot of situations, actually. How did I do that? Ah, uh, trust me. Uh, you know, let's get into that. Running an open mic. Starting off an ro- open mic, I think a lot of people don't realize how much it, it is. It's fun, but at the same time, it takes a lot to run an open mic. And especially when I started doing comedy, I was like, oh, all you do is read names off a list and that's it. But it's like, no, you actually, you know, you got to read the crowd. You got to read the comics. You got to read the the, the management. You got to figure out, you know, the timing. And then there's so much to it that's exhausting.
1: Yeah. I don't even know how I'm still doing it. But the Caravan is actually the easiest mic that I've run run all the other stuff that I've done, I've done like smaller, I've done other showcases and stuff like that, you know, okay. and, uh, realistically, the, the, the way I have it at the caravan right now is like the sweetest one, the sweetest deal. Cause when, when we started at the Brit, we had drink coupons. We had, they would give the com- comics appetizers and stuff. And we would have that place packed out like all the time. And it was on a Monday. And I only did it twice a month. That place was, it it, it got cracking sometimes. Like, I missed that place. But it was literally the hardest night to do anything on. Yeah. And then after my shit started getting, like, popular, then other people felt like they could do stuff on that night. They would have other bars that would try and compete. Or do whatever. I don't know. Other people decided, oh, we're just going to start. We're going we're gonna to compete with you now. And then and then we had a drop-off in attendance. And, and then the attendance kept dropping off. And they were just like, well, this doesn't make any sense anymore.
0: Oh, so they told you you can't have an open mic anymore?
1: No, they didn't even tell me. That's the bad part about it. The way the Brit ended was the dude calling me. No, no, no. So the, 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 so it happened within a month. So the first part, the first thing that happened was I got, the first thing that happened was is like the second, the second, um, damn, why am I having such a hard time with this? Hey, okay. So look, this is what happened that day. He called me. As I'm going in one My DJ that I used to work with Called me and said You know they're they're shutting down The open mic right And I was like no And then I called the dude And was like so you're shutting me down You didn't even call me You didn't tell me and He was like oh I'm sorry I forgot Blah 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 this and that And <laughs> well, I was like to tell
0: you that <laughs> And then he was like If you
1: want the money for today I'll just pay you out And I was like yeah I want the money Cause like you can't just You can't just not call And talk to me about this and then just decide that it's over, and then I show up and I, and and, it, and it's done, right, and uh he was like, "All right, whatever." and then so I went over there, and we did the show anyway when I got there, and then I took the money, so then the next time I was supposed to do it, I get a call like ten minutes before I was supposed to be over there, and he's like, "The show's over. we're not doing it anymore. Um, if you want the money, you know you can you can have the money." But that'll be it. So I got pissed. And I went over there and I collected the money. And then I just ended up spending it all. Like, just buying people drinks and doing other shit. Like, I didn't even take it. Like, I even...
0: How did you get hooked up at the caravan afterwards?
1: Um, After I posted that the show ended, um, a bunch of people reached out and was like, do you want to do a show here? Do you want to do a show there? Do you want to do a show over here? Do you want to show over there? And... Um, this was like, to me, this was like the best opportunity in a sense that like the reason why I'm doing comedy in general is because of the caravan, Um, because I used to hang out there and then Butch used to work there.
0: Butch Escobar?
1: Yeah, Butch Escobar. As a host? No, nah, he used to work there. He was a bartender there. Mm. And then Rachel Warner was... Oh. Rachel like, was so awesome Yeah she is awesome So Rachel Warner was like a big time comic Really? I didn't know at that At that time Yeah she was Not anymore? No she kind of got out of the business She was getting out of the business when I when I started
0: Oh wow well, that's fascinating I yeah. never knew that She's such an awesome bartender
1: Yeah so she gave Butch his start Oh really? Yeah If it wasn't for her I don't think he would be doing comedy at all Really? I'm pretty certain that's not that's not like that's not that. that's true he knows it too
0: like she's the one that kind of gives give him the ins and outs of no, local comedy no she hooked him up you know?
1: with his first big big shows or whatever it is however however he got it start. It, it started from her her influence on him
0: and then she also helped you out start up the caravan
1: it was her idea and then I agreed
0: and boom and you already had experience from the Brett.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely, like, I learned a lot. Like, when I first started doing it, and that's the whole thing. Like, I, I looked at what Pat Oswalt said about, like, if you're a comic, the only thing is just keep doing it, you know? That's the only way you're really going to learn. That's the only way you're really going to get good at being a comedian or being good at anything. It's, like, you got to keep at it, you know? Don't give up. So, I started out horribly I it wasn't that good. And then I got a little bit better. And then there was a period of time where it was just like dry and repetitive. And then um, at some point I started figuring out like, let me just try and do a different set every night. doesn't matter what the set is. I'm not gonna prepare for it. I'm not gonna waste time writing notes or thinking up jokes or whatever as I'm sitting there waiting for me to go on. I'm just go on, forget all the bullshit, and that's why I started doing. And then I got better quicker.
0: Yeah, you know what? I feel when I started hosting, I feel like I'm. I, I I feel like the little time I've done comedy, the little time I've hosted, I feel like I went through this crash course. I don't. am not saying I know everything now, hmm. but I feel like I think I know more of myself as as a comic. Than I did before hosting, because not only was I looking at other comedians on a constant basis mm. and really concentrating on how they work, well at the same time it was, it was challenging for me, of trying to come up with new jokes every week as well. Like you know, I, I try to come up with monologues, and the whole point is to make the show come off as fresh and so on. And man, it's it's a lot. Of, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's, I'm sure you know it's fun, but it's hard fucking work and. And and I think that's the point I'm trying to say is I don't think a lot of comedians fully, uh, uh, you know, are sympathetic, I want to say, maybe, to the host of a room.
1: I mean, it depends. I mean, the host has to do his job. Oh, You're just a guy to them. You're not anybody special. You're not. Like, well, he doesn't doesn't do sets, blah, blah, blah. They just think I'm just this dude. And they have no idea.
0: I have a whole. (laughs) Trust me, man. I have a whole new level of respect to anybody who's running a room. And. I mean, who's running a room well, at least. Because I get it, man. It's 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 tedious, hard work, and nonetheless, you know, you really learned a lot. Who are some of your influences starting out?
1: Mm. Well, when I first started out, Chappelle was big. Chappelle was huge when I first started out. And, and any comic that says they haven't been influenced by Dave Chappelle is fucking lying to you. Just point blank, society has been influenced by this man. We had this show, Wife Swap, because of Dave Chappelle. Really? Yeah.
0: Did he, did he make a skit about that? Or
1: yeah, they did a skit. <laughs> and next thing you know, there's a television show on ABC. ABC, yeah. Wife Swap. A family-run network. <laughs> no, all day. I'm telling you, it's not even. It's like that happened, and then that happened. Like. Dave Chappelle should get royalties off of that shit. Like, like, that concept, that idea. He was making fun of reality TV shows. But that concept and that idea, like, exactly what it was where these two different families switched. Like, I don't I don't think that the wife swap was on during that time. I think what happened was Dave Chappelle happened and then we had wife swap and it was fucking weird. I, that's the way I remember it. I might have been too stoned and drunk
0: so david Chappelle, big influence huh
1: big 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 time and you know he had everybody in the nation saying yeah and what all the time and everybody got into it and then i think you know if you i think a lot of people really identified with him you know because if you're in my age group i'm 35 so yeah if you're my age group like everybody fucking loved it because it was so different than what was happening in comedy at the time. It was different than SNL. It was different than whatever. It was reminiscent of Living Color. You know, in Living Color. That show, man. Yeah, that show too. I would say anybody that was on that show, because I watched that show, my mom wouldn't let me watch it and I would sneak up. I would sneak and wait till she fell asleep to go watch that show. Yeah.
0: Why would she not let you?
1: cuz my mom didn't even like the Simpsons dude like i couldn't watch the Simpsons i couldn't watch a bunch of shit
0: yeah was it for religious reasons or was it no, moral reasons we were
1: we were a Cosby show household ooh we were a Cosby show and law and order sbu <laughs> House, <laughs> no no we were we were th- these are the shows we, and this is this is back at a time where there's no DVR you can watch whatever you want later no this is like everybody sat around the TV and watched the same programs and your parents controlled it and and you had to either sit there and watch it, or go to fuck else somewhere else and read a book. That's those were your only options, or or listen to music. But those were your only options. There wasn't this like you can go in your computer and like watch whatever you want at any time. No, none of that. No. So was Cosby also an influence? Do you believe? Well, yeah, Bill Bill Cosby is Bill Cosby is huge when you're growing up black in in the nineties. Yeah, Like Cosby is Cosby is the man. He had. That show, uh, the Cosby show in a a different world, Like, if you were black growing up in any area in the nation, you watched those shows religiously just because your parents respected him so much. Yeah. I mean, if you had parents, you know. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's pretty
0: awkward talking about Cosby like this, especially what's going on now. Well. Or or not. Do you feel like, you know... there's his work and there's his personal life
1: I don't make any excuses for him I think he got himself into this trouble and I'm sure he can figure out how to get it out but uh, he's stupid to think that more than like it just too many women have come forward with the same story and he got some woman drunk and fucked them and thought it was cool not to say shit about it afterwards you know and all of them got mad. It was like he would fuck them, and then he wouldn't hear from them. Like he would, he wouldn't talk to them after that. And anytime they tried to call him or do anything, he was rude and mean. So whether or not he raped them, I'm sure that can be, you know, if there was a case that went to the court of law and they had to prove it, I'm sure we get all the sordid details. But like, come on, bro! Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna fuck a woman. If you're going to put your penis in her, like, make sure beforehand that it's it's fully acceptable to do that. Don't put yourself in a position where you can question it. <laughs> <laughs> you yourself, like, your thought is, should I be doing this, man? If no. Yeah, if you're asking yourself that, that's a no. Exactly. It yeah. should be an absolute define. You know what? Maybe we should sit this one out. Like, I... I hate hooking up with girls sometimes because if it's vague, when they come to my house, like what's going to happen in my house, that's going to make it different. You know what I mean? If it's vague, when I go into her house, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want it to be vague. If I'm going over some, if I'm going to a spot, like I want things to be known before they even get in the car or hit me up. Like, like there's always that feeling. Like, mm -hmm. is she,
0: like, does she feel comfortable around me? That kind of feeling? Or is it more like,
1: no, uh, I just point blank ask, are we fucking or not? Really? You straight up? Yeah. <laughs> I like your style. you straight up. Hey, but that, that, that cuts through, right through the bullshit. All the red tape, son. Oh. <laughs> We're not going over to my house for pizza. I'm going over to stick my dick in your face. <laughs> so, <laughs> none of this getting to know you stuff, right? Well, you can. You can do that because then it'll make the moment more special. But, like... Let's just be honest, okay, as a man. Like, yeah. And and I'm a feminist, and I believe in feminism. And if a girl can't handle you saying to them, I know you're attracted to me. Let's get busy tonight. I don't want to fuck you with you any other night. If you just tell a girl that and be honest with her, I don't think what's wrong with that. And she has a very clear idea about what you want. Now, if she wants to fuck you, she will. Hmm. But if she doesn't know herself and she's got, like, complicated situation, this, that, and the other going on, blah, 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 of course you don't want to fuck her. And let her make that decision.
0: So it's more like you're putting the ball on
1: her court and make her make the move. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't ever want to be the decision maker in that process. <laughs> if a girl fucks me, I want her to know that it was her idea. <laughs> i not no 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 backseas no take backs no you decided you, to do this you bought the ticket honey y- yeah <laughs> even before I put my dick in, in there I go you sure you want to do this <laughs> Are you certain? <laughs> because it's about to go down. <laughs> uh, pretty soon, you're gonna be writing out contracts, huh? Hey, man, if I need a waiver, waiver, <laughs> yeah, I make the girls pick their condom. Like you know, if I have a bowl of condoms. Like you pick. <laughs> I'm very safe. There's some nonoxynol-9 well, in there too. If you need that. Like I have, I have female condoms at the house. Like I got, I got all the munition. Wow, you're prepared. Yeah, I'm not trying to have another kid, dude. What the fuck? Oh, you got a really cute kid. Uh. And he said he's not even two yet. Not even two. But yeah, that's how it is, man. Like. That's that's how I feel about it. Like you can, as a man, you can really, 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 really do a better. As men, we can do a better job of making it clear. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of dudes fucking get these drunk ass girls at the end of the night, and the girl comes over to their house and they fucking have a good time, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, the girls call them, call them like, I don't remember what had last happened last night, blah, blah. You know, it could go a hundred different ways. And I'm not saying women are irresponsible, but I'm saying men, we can be more responsible when it comes to that stuff. We, we, we should own be. up
0: to more responsibility.
1: Yes. Cause it's not her fault that you decided to stick your dick in her. That's a forceful act in in itself.
0: <laughs> Sticking a
1: dick in someone, yeah. Yes, it's a it's it's <laughs> it's a force. It's not. You should ask for permission first. You shouldn't just stick it in. <laughs> How do you even get to that point where she's naked and you're still, you know? Yeah. Take some some time. Take some tenderness classes. You know what I mean? Like, tenderness classes? Just (laughs) come on, Bill Cosby. (laughs) You didn't have to do it that way. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) But, like, maybe that's your fettest dude. But, you know, like, they have kink.com for that, you know? Like, all right. So, Cosby and Dave Chappelle, uh,
0: black comics.
1: Well, yeah. And then, you know, then there's uh, Comic View. Then there's um m t v then there's like uh, there's everything everything on everything that happened in the nineties pretty much influences me you know i don't you know the ninety two riots and fucking all that stuff
0: oh yeah yeah are are you big on, in activism
1: yeah, why not <laughs> why not yeah we should be right I think I think if you don't have any commentary on what's going on in our country right now, then you're taking what I like to call the blind way out. And the people that are blind right now are the people that are going to get done up first if shit hits the fan because they're not going to know what's going on. And they're going to have to choose a side based on what? No information. So. Mm. So that's 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 what I feel like. So awareness is key. And if you read a book at any time in your life, like you would know, like this has happened before, and there's always ebbs and flows, and how our political process happens. And right now, we got a lot of misinformation going on, and people seem to be okay with that.
0: What's an example?
1: Anything that Fox News reports is an opinion.
0: My question is: at this point, who even takes them seriously? Like, it so baffles me that they're they're getting numbers and ratings
1: because the people that listen and follow them believe them like like they believe their preacher at church. It's the same group of people and I'm not saying that folks are folks who are religious are crazy, but they are <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs> it's,
1: just, it's it's just like look at what hap- well, look at what's happening in the Middle East right now. there's one religion called the Muslim religion right? The, yeah. the Islam, right? So well, the, Even
0: that has so many factions of, of, of religions. Right, among, so you so have
1: those factions fighting oh, fighting with each other. Yeah. It's not like they're fighting with the Jews or with the Christians, even though they really are too, but they're fighting with each other about who is in charge right. of in the entirety of Islam. And
0: like the, the Sunnis and the Shiites. Mm, like yeah, and, 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 and
1: all the different interpretations of everything. So they're all at odds with each other. When When you think about it, it's like, okay, look, I I understand there's thousands and thousands and thousands of years of you fools going back and forth about the same idea. And it, it really is. There's, there's four major religions and all of those major religions say that there's only one God, right? And then they all have their own interpretation of what that means and thanks to the Roman Empire everybody is supposed to believe it or you're going to die do
0: you believe the uh, Roman Empire were the first to force religion on others
1: yes yeah. they. the Roman Empire itself always forced their religious concepts onto their subjects always it was their their stuff and then when they switched over to the one god concept then they forced everybody into it and they that whole region and got swept up into that all of that In the Mediterranean the the what we call the North Africa what we call the Middle East what we call Turkey the Ottoman Empire all that all those areas all of those things were controlled by Rome at one point everything they call it the age of Constantine Constantine was the only one that didn't die in Rome, well, it's really the age after Constantine, but no one really says that because you know <laughs> well, why? <laughs> well, because Constantine took took his last rites and became a Christian on his deathbed. So, so a lot of people feel like Constantine wasn't this dude; like he was just this, he, he Constantine was kind of like not really you know he was he took it because he was afraid that if the one true god does exist that he want to be able to go to it and be in peace right so but he really didn't believe that his whole entire life
0: just like on the day he's going to die he was like well yeah. taking my chances now just in case
1: he was covering his bases cuz that's a, the kind of strategic person he is <laughs> cuz you no one knows what happens when you die you know so it's like uh, the Christian, the, the Judaism and the Muslim religions and Buddha, they all are very attractive prospects.
0: Did you, uh, did you grow up in a religious household?
1: No, not really. Well, my mom is kind of religious, but you know, she believes in Gaia or whatever. So Gaia this is mother earth. The concept of mother earth. It's very hippie ish kind of thing. She
0: fascinating. What kind of, so it's more spiritual mm-hmm. than religious. Yeah. It's not like you guys went to church every Sunday or something like
1: that. We did when when my parents were together, but after that, no. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I come from one of those homes that are broken.
0: Broken homes? Broken home. That's... I was an
1: after-school special, you know, latchkey kid, come home, your mom's not home, you like, have to make dinner and wait for your mom to get home, and then everybody's crying in the house.
0: No, <laughs> That's an ingredient for, for a comic right there.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah,
0: watching uh, comedians now, do you, yeah. see, do you see a change? Do you see a shift in in, in styles?
1: A shift in styles. I I think a lot of people are struggling not to be derivative. You know, derivative of this or derivative of that. I don't think it's possible with the many as many people that are doing comedy right now and and as many people that are being successful at it. I don't really feel like it is easy to be innovative I think because of all the stuff that's on television and all the different channels and all the different things that are going on there are some people who are doing really well with quality stuff and there's some people who are just grasping at straws and some of those straws that are grasped are like wow that's amazing for that but you know how does that sustain a career how does that keep you going creatively as an artist so part of me is like if I ever get a chance to make it to the next level I want to focus all of my energy on being true to who I am at all moments so that I don't lose what makes what I do special
0: what is the next level for you
1: next level it's like you know the next level every comic probably would say this, like having a television show, having a movie, you know, having a radio, having so you definitely national tour having like uh-huh. You know, all those all those different things that if you're if you're Joe Rogan like, you know, you put yourself in his shoes or you're or your 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 um your Bill Burr or your your Louis CK or your Kevin Hart like you put those you Imagine yourself in those people's shoes, and that's that's where you want to be as a comic. Everybody, every comic that does this wants to be on that level, hook 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 or crook. They want to get there. So,
0: well, there, there's some comedians that stay in the comedy club circuit, and there's the comedians that get into like the the industry, like when it comes to the film and TV, and um, I don't know. Like I I I, I assume there's a whole network of careers in that like you could could, there's a
1: range of stuff yeah but if you're talking about the ultimate dream if you're talking about where you where where you really feel like you deserve to be and you want to work to get there then of course your dream is to be having a like a sellout movie (laughs) you know what i mean like so is the ultimate dream to sell out yeah, the ultimate dream is to <laughs> fucking sell out. But like sell out in ticket sales, like who go. doesn't want to be Russell Peters? Like as a comic, who doesn't want to be Russell Peters? Come on, you tell me, you tell me one comment that says if they could like fucking do that movie Down to Earth like like <laughs> or, or or switching places or trading bodies or trading places, if you could if you could do trading places as a movie right now and it didn't exist before and you were Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, like who would you pick? It doesn't really matter because that movie was so fucking dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could be you could be any person that was in that movie and one of the people that was in the movie is a senator now. Like, come on. Like, of course you want to be on that. You wanna do that. Like, if you look at the guys that did, you know, Adam McKay and all the fellas involved with all his different projects, all those dudes are major dudes now off of one movie like you you definitely want to have that kind of impact if you're going to do something you know so I don't know if I'm ever going to get to that place but like that's what I'm thinking and dreaming about all the time that's what I'm constantly obsessing over you know have you ever been on tour? no I'm dude I'm so low on the totem pole of comics (laughs) are you? I am. I feel like you're like, for my list of like local
0: comics, you're pretty up there. I think you, you were one of the first to really inspire me to keep going because uh, I came from the university. I went to the club. That's a starting up, And mm-hmm. then for Scotty, but Caravan, I said this before, Caravan is where it made a man out of me, where you realized, holy shit, you know, people don't want to listen to you really. So it kind of is like you know you really gotta work it more. You really gotta gotta work on your, on your jokes more, because it's it, caravan uh, and just like most dive bar open mics, uh, you, you really gotta put blood and sweat and tears to it, because you have
1: to. You have to give the audience energy. You have to give them some energy, right.
0: this, as opposed as a, a, a open mic at a cafe where people are there to 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 see something.
1: I wouldn't, I think people come to the I think people come to Caravan and watch comedy I just don't think they're going to let you off the hook Yeah, yeah There's a difference, whereas The folks at Frascati, and I've done that show Will just sit there and listen And not say anything Well, Some of them will laugh or not But my experience there was like They just kind of sat and and went through it And listened to you And they were all staring at you (laughs) Yeah But whether or not they were really finding it funny or not was they didn't express their opinion. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get an opinion from them about how well my set was. I mean, everybody laughed at the end when I did my, my, my yeah. three big jokes, yeah. but like, you know, I kind of expected that. Cause how do you not laugh at those? I don't know. I'm just playing, but I, I, I did what I did. Right. And people did, People had a good time, and then some people came up and like, "Oh, you're awesome," blah, blah blah. But it happens, you know. And the
0: point I'm trying to make it with the caravan is that the laughs I do get the caravan is like, okay, then there's something in this joke as opposed to something, uh, yeah, the other jokes. And and you were there from the beginning. You, you and I remember I would go out if I need help posting, of you know sometimes we talked a bit. Mm-hmm. You're very knowledgeable. When it came to not just comedy, but in the, the comedy, the local comedy industry we got going on kind of,
1: well, I pay attention to what people are doing. I, I may not be going out there and hitting the mics all the time, but I hear about things and I see things, you know, I pay attention to who's doing what, but like, I also, I also try and keep it to myself too. Cause the, the other problem is, is you can get, you can get into a rut really easily as a comic really easy with your material and with what it is that you're doing and I'm not criticizing the people that go out every day to do comedy but sometimes it's okay to sit back and reflect on what you did instead of just doing it you know Um,
0: have you ever performed comedy in uh, SF or yeah I've
1: done Purple Onion which is now Doc's Lab Um, I've done The Melt melt Mike over at Griffin Daly's room which was a lot of fun actually nice, nice little spot um, do you feel
0: the comedy scene uh, as far as comedians is like different from South Bay comedians
1: no no. they may have more energy about their particular style or what they're developing up there but I don't, I don't really see that much difference in it I think San Francisco has it's own look and feel Oakland has it's own look and feel You know, every city has their own kind of vibe. So you what I've learned as a comic is like you can't take for granted who you are, where you're from. Sometimes that can add to your performance or why do you have to worry about what specific place you're doing your comedy in? Why don't you just do your comedy? (laughs) Yeah, it's your comedy. Like, so why does it have to be attached to a particular place if you're that good? It wouldn't be.
0: Uh, One of the first things you told me um, that that really stuck my mind about uh, is that
1: never expect
0: anything from your audience. Because I remember one time I I got mad. I was at a point where I got mad that I bombed so many times that it came to a point where I I started blaming like yeah these people here you know that, and then but then you you really opened my eyes when you said you know you 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 stopped me like Jorge don't expect anything from your audience. I was like, fuck, like, you just laid on the fucking law on on, on me and I like, get open my eyes. Like, Holy You shit.
1: shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't expect anything from them. Your job is to create the expectation. Your job is to influence them with your words. That's how you get them to laugh. You're pushing them. You're pushing them. You're caressing them. You're doing whatever you want with your mouth. Hmm. Tasty. <laughs> you know, like if you can be funny one-on-one with anyone that you could be funny with everyone.
0: Do you encourage people to do stand-up? No. No. See, I don't either. Which is like uh, If
1: somebody uh, tells me they want to do it, I say, do it. And that's all I say.
0: But you won't be very like, yeah, you should totally do it. You'll be more like, hey, if uh-uh. you want to do it, do it.
1: Nothing makes up your mind more than going up and doing it. See, when I first did comedy, I was terrible. Terrible i I really pumped myself up to think you, I was the shit. Can you give me
0: a bit of your early work?
1: My early work well okay, I had this joke okay the the joke was about Brett Michael's Rock of Love, so we all know what happened with that show, so at the time it was kind of popular, so I felt like I could talk shit about it so but this is me reading from like my. My notebook on stage at the improv.
0: So you perform with your notebook on stage.
1: I'm reading from the notebook.
0: Oh my god! Yeah.
1: I'm the first one that goes up. The guy gets my name wrong.
0: <laughs> what did he call you?
1: I don't remember. But I also remember I brought flashcards about my name.
0: <laughs> that didn't even help, huh?
1: No. I didn't even. I didn't end up using. I didn't even end up using them because I was gonna go into it. But I didn't even end up using them because I was so nervous. So I just said the joke. And that's the only big laugh that I got. Because I remember that joke because that was the first one I was starting off with. But I had everything written out. So I had the notebook in my hand and I walk out with a notebook on my hand. And I, I was going to put it on the stool, but the stool was far away. So I didn't really have a good assessment of should I go and put this on the stool or not. It was a very knee-jerk reaction. I just grabbed the mic from the guy and I buried myself in my notebook and I said all my
0: jokes (laughs) and uh, I assume it didn't go well very well
1: I didn't really look up to notice (laughs) I heard some laughs and chuckles but people didn't know how to take it because if you're at the improv and you're a professional comic you're not supposed to look at your notebook you're supposed to look at the audience you're supposed to walk around you're supposed to do all these different things and I did none of them I read from my notebook
0: and, you, and the Brett Michaels joke is what?
1: Brett Michaels joke is this: is like uh, Rock of Love is is a piece of shit show. I'm sick and tired of this Rock of Love. Uh, and then I, I think I said something else like, if I was to do my own reality television show, um, and I wanted girls to get at me, of course, you know, I'm a I'm gonna make them lick the ball sack of a diseased homeless person. <laughs> And then I would just clearly reject them. And I would just reject them because I don't want to be with a girl that is going to lick the balls of a diseased homeless person. Because <laughs> it was like me talking about... And I didn't even get to the point. It was just like I kind of said that and then I moved to the next joke on the page. Like I didn't even get through the, all of the words on the, on the... You didn't get to the final punchline? No, because I was... Because no one would Like I didn't hear anybody saying. it I didn't hear people chuckling Where I felt like There should be chuckles
0: And then you panic When you hear silence You start going faster
1: Yeah And so <laughs> Just didn't It didn't go over well at all <laughs> I get off stage And, and Butch looks at me And he's like Oh you're a fucking asshole I get, <laughs> Really? I he called you an asshole? No 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 He what? didn't say it But uh, you could tell By people's facial expressions <laughs>
0: The, the asshole written all over it. Yeah, it's just like this
1: asshole, this asshole. I could just tell the way the people are looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm saying, I'm shaking everybody goodbye. I'm like nervous doing that, and people are just like, Ugh. I go to my friend, I go to the bar with my friends afterwards, and they're all just like, "Good job! Why did you drag us out of the house for this shit?" <laughs> kind of looks. Yeah. You know, no one no one really wants to tell me like how bad it was. And my buddy Albert goes, "Man, dude, you fucking sucked." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, well, thanks." He was like, "No." He's like, "You can't be on stage reading from your fucking notebook." I thought you were more prepared than that. And I was like, "I was. I just got stuck. I just got stuck doing that." And it was it was rough, dude. It was it was a rough night. I I felt. But I mean, I ended up partying, like having a good time and stuff. But it was just, it was all bad. And then I did another show, like right after that. It it went over better, but you know, I wasn't good. I wasn't the fantastic comedian that I thought I could be, you know. And and really with without practice, and you have to be in front of two hundred, three hundred people. It's just not a good idea, <laughs> and some comics you know can do that they can go up and just be in front of all those people but you learn a lot when you can't sustain and then you invite people to shows and they're just like "Ah, no I can't come (laughs) no (laughs) no I'm not coming no you so and then you have these chances too like you know you wait a few years and then invite your friends to come out to another show and then they see how well you how good you are now then they can see the progression, you know, and then you have people that'll follow you for the rest of your career. Um, but for me, I just, I just want to have performances that I feel good about right now. That's what I want. I always want to have a performance that I feel good about. And that's all I'm looking for. It doesn't even matter what I said. So I'm not going to remember it the next day anyway. Do you, uh,
0: do you feel there's a change in the audience Uh, I know you said not to expect anything from them, but there's a a current discussion, I feel, in in the comedy world, especially now that this sense of being offensive and political correctness and all that. like Do you feel crowds, the the recent generation of crowds seeing comedy, are, are they more likely to be offended?
1: No, they're less likely to be offended. So they're less likely to be offended in... I think they like it when comics push the envelope with that. Um, but in my opinion, I like I'm not trying to make an assessment of the what the audience is thinking or feeling. I want to make an assessment about how am I going to convey what I'm thinking and feeling.
0: Actually, let me retract that. Actually, because it's not really the audience who get offensive. It's actually the people who hear of, who, of what a comedian said. You know, so it's not necessarily the people going to the comedy oh, show. So secondhand, yeah, like secondhand people online who who end up you know just
1: so that's the problem because everything online is secondhand right so you have facebook you have twitter you have your retweets you have your posts you have your unoriginal content that people are commenting on people's other original content and everybody has an opinion right now facebook and twitter and all that stuff is a free-for-all but the people that are most successful at it are the folks that are commentating commentary on the commentary.
0: Commentary on the commentary. Yeah. What do you mean by that?
1: Having an opinion about what's happening in general. So for me, if I see a comic post about something, you know, the Bruce Jenner thing, it was like the last thing people, a bunch of people were posting about their opinions about Bruce Jenner. There their comics that are criticize Bruce Jenner and talk shit about how he's gay now, blah, blah, blah. Or they'll criticize, uh, Kim Kardashian and a whole family, blah, 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 this and that. Right. They'll do that. It's easy. It's like ripe fruit, picking it from the thing. But then you have other comics that go in there and be like, wow, you guys all have stupid opinions. Is that the punchline? Yeah. I mean like who's funnier? <laughs> the person that said that while wow, all your opinions are stupid or the people that are giving this man a hard time with the choices that he's made in his life. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know So it's like what's really funny Like how is that funny Like how how, how is your comments Like making or breaking you're, you're actually adding money To Bruce Jenner's pocket now That you're talking shit about him so much So like Where Like how are you going to get a royalty for doing that Like I'm not even business wise It doesn't make sense you know what I mean Not unless you're just trying to get that attention And I think some of it's really petty. All right, do, we're at the one hour
0: mark. Okay. Uh, we're closing up shop. That's um, a good word
1: in any podcast on is
0: petty. Petty. <laughs> uh, is there any way people can find your stuff or any way they can check out?
1: You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Mr. Walker comedy, all one word, all lowercase. And you can also find me on Facebook, Mr. Walker Comedy. Uh, or if you know how to spell my first name, Atu, and my last name Walker, I'm one of the few people that have the combination of those two names. <laughs> so.
0: Atu, where does that come from?
1: Um, it's West African. So, West yeah. African. My mom was uh, involved in the movement in the '60s, and so most black children that were born in the '70s and you know the early, the late '70s in the 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 early 80s got non-traditional names if their parents weren't religious because our parents were basically hippies and my mom is a hippie
0: from the sf or S- southern california
1: she grew up in vallejo so i was saying oh so she
0: was right up in that scene
1: yeah wow yeah. so vallejo in san francisco that's where she lives i think she also lived in oakland for a little bit but yeah pretty much yeah, she spent her So she's hippie. So she, she spent she, her twenties in the sixties. Sixties. So she wasn't like part of the Black
0: Panther party. She was more I of... can't
1: comment on that.
0: <laughs> can't comment on that. Uh but uh Atu Walker and thanks for coming, man. Appreciate it. Great conversation. Uh we're pounding our, our fists right now. Yeah, that's and, what you do. and I'm glad to have you brought on uh Obi. Obi Walker.
1: Yeah, he's sleeping out. That's what happens when I talk. Like, he just falls asleep.
0: (laughs) All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all to Walker.